Hey, it's Andy. Thank you so much for joining us. We have a treat for you on this lovely Friday. Tennessee head coach Jeremy Pruitt joins us to talk about landing four and five star recruits while in quarantine. He also talks about going from a very rough beginning to last season to one of the better finishes in the entire country. Uh, Tennessee has an upward trajectory right now, and Jeremy Pruitt is enjoying himself. But he's also getting ready because it sounds like players are about to be able to come back in the SEC. So we'll talk about what plans he has for that. Here's Jeremy Pruitt. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show, and we are joined by a guy who I think is, is probably about to get even busier than he has been, but it's a special kind of busy that Jeremy Pruitt's been stuck at home, working, landing you know, big-time recruits with three kids, four years old and under. Coach, what is that like? You know, I would love to take a little credit there, but I have to give the credit to my wife. She's allowed me to do as much work as I need to get done. Uh, but it has been nice uh, being able to sit around and watch film or talk on the phone and and uh, have the kids running around and uh, trying to be involved. They've been trying to help me. Well, have they helped? I mean, that that's I, – I would think when you're talking to, to recruits – that it helps if, if your kids are in the background, if your wife's in the background, that they kind of get a sense of you as a as a human being more than the guy who's going to be yelling at them on third and two. Well, um, my kids love to get on the phone. They love it when it's a FaceTime call, so they like to get involved, especially my my four- and two-year-old. So uh, that's they have helped me a little bit, or they think they have. And, of course, my wife, she she thinks that we can't get anything done without her. Well, she's she's probably right on on that one. Now, for we're going to give full disclosure here because I, I saw a snippet. We're we're doing this on Zoom. We we don't need the the video because we're just recording a podcast here. But before you clicked off your camera, I did see some golf clubs bobbing bobbing around in the back. Are, are you gonna are you gonna be hitting any shots while we do this uh, while we do this interview? Absolutely not. I don't need any distractions. I th- but see, I, I thought you had that kind of rhino skin. That, that's why when, when you got hired for this job, I was like, this is the perfect guy for the Tennessee job. Because for those who don't know, I, 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 my first job out of college was covering Coach Fulmer and, and his team. And I was shocked at how just cutthroat the market is there in Knoxville. And, and every, everybody is on you all the time and, and constantly criticizing every single move you make. You don't seem to be phased by any of that. So how, how do you ignore all that stuff? Well, I think from a media standpoint, you talk about a media market in the SEC. Uh, Knoxville's is, is the best there is out there. Um, there's lots of guys that have passion about um, the sport that they cover, and it's been really good for me to get to know these guys. I've enjoyed it and created some friends here and uh, – you know, it's it's a it's a fun place to coach at, uh, and uh, absolutely for our players, the passion of our fan base and the the coverage that they get, it's a it's a great platform for them. So, what has the the last few weeks been like? Obviously, I know you can't talk about individual recruits, but you guys have a lot of momentum 
and recruiting. Uh, this has been a very weird period where you didn't get to go out in the in the spring evaluation period. You're not having guys come to camps because there aren't any camps, but you're still having your best period as Tennessee's head coach. How have you done that? Well, we had a good plan. Our, our recruiting staff, um, I feel like they recognized the, the possibilities of us having to be at home, um, you know, back in February. So they put together a really good plan, and uh, our staff has done a nice job executing it. I'm curious with you because the schools you've worked at over the past seven years, I mean, you, you left Alabama, you went to Florida State, you left Florida State, you went to Georgia, back to Alabama, and then to Tennessee – you're kind of fishing from a similar pond in, in terms of recruits. Have you had to change your recruiting range at all since you've been at Tennessee, or are you working on guys that that you were being told about when they were pretty young back when you worked at Alabama? No, I. well, this is going on our third year, so most of the guys that we're recruiting now are guys that, you know, we found once we were in Knoxville and – um you know, we, we're we're recruiting the best players in the country, and uh, feel like you've got to do that. So we've got to do a nice job evaluating and figuring out the guys that fit our system and uh, that are good student athletes that uh, want to win a championship, and that that's something that we've tried to do. Now, and, and a lot of those guys kind of came of age last year. You know, Eric Gray is probably a pretty good example of, of somebody who stepped into a, a bigger role as as time went by. But I, I'm curious because. I remember being at the Florida game last year and I talked to coach Fulmer after that game. And, and he said, well, you know, all you, all you can do is stay the course. This is going to work. Got to give Jeremy time. It's going to work. What changed between that Florida game and the end of the season that made you guys look like a completely different team? I mean, you, you've won six in a row. I think you won seven of your last eight and the group that took the field in the bowl game looked completely different, at least mentally, from the one that you saw in Gainesville. Well, not to take anything away from the our early opponents, uh, you know, we, we had a very young football team, very inexperienced team, and uh, we had some key injuries uh, early in the season, and we were turning the football over. And as the season went, we obviously um, – guys – gained more experience and uh we didn't turn the football over as much and got some more turnovers so we improved which is what you're supposed to do was was there anything you had to do to hold them together after those first few losses because you're right I'm, i'm thinking back to what you were saying after the byu game after the florida game cut down on turnovers do do these things and and you can win and you did these things but did you have to did you have to do anything special to convince those guys you can hold this together? You're just right there, and you'll be able to turn it around. No, our, our players knew um, how they had worked in the off season and the time that they'd put in, and they believe in the system. They believe in what we've got going. So uh, you, if you believe in something uh, in the face of adversity, it's easier to stay the course, and I think uh, – you know, you saw that with our team throughout the season. Uh, and, and down the stretch, I mean, the games we won were not easy wins. You know, for us, we, we found a way. And um, I think it says a lot about the guys in our program and how they grew up over the uh, 
um, the season and, and just stay in the course and believing in what we're trying to get done. So I would imagine that creates a tighter team having gone through that. And now you've got a situation where instead of having them on campus and working out and, and you guys got a couple of spring practices in, but, but not many, now they're kind of scattered to the four winds and, and working out on their own. Have they been able to, to kind of keep that tightness even though they're not together? Well, I, I believe if you come on our campus and you get around our players and our coaching staff, uh, it's not it's not hard to see why people want to be a part of it. They see the direction we're going and our players believe in it and it's a really good feel around our complex and within our program. So what what has the, the past few days been like? Because as, as we keep going, it seems like more likely there will be a, a you know, football season starting on time. Uh, the SEC presidents are going to vote. Th- this podcast episode is dropping on Friday morning. So later in the day, the presidents are going to vote and, and decide when students can or athletes can come back to campus. And it looks like you're going to get them back fairly soon. What's that going to be like for, for you and your staff? Well, we, we've had a plan uh, from the get-go for June the 1st, the 15th, the 30th, July 15th, August 1st. So whenever uh, the time presents itself, we have a really good plan, and we just got to go execute the plan. So if, it's, if, they, if they come out June 1st, you just throw the, the June 15th folder away and, and go ahead? If it, if, so you're, you're ready no matter what they say? Yeah, we're ready. How much of, of this last few months has been making those contingency plans where, you know, it, it's going to be something you may not even have to use, but you've got to have it ready in case they say, all right, go ahead. Well, there's, you know, if you start June the 1st, that's where you would normally start anyhow during the summer. So there's not much difference there. Uh, as you move closer to the season, there's a few things that change possibly, but you basically just start from September 5th and work your way back and figure out what you need to do to be ready to practice. And, um, you know, and there's, there's definitely these kids have had four months off. So, uh, when you talk about the medical piece, there's absolutely a lot that goes into that part that with, with screening health, going back, doing physicals, cardio workouts, there's lots of things that need to be done. And, um, between our, our strength and conditioning staff, our athletic training staff, they have, a, they have a really good plan to do that. So you're not the only head football coach named Pruitt in the state of Tennessee this year. Your, your dad is, uh, is, is back in the state at, at Marion County in Jasper. Uh, any advice for, uh, for working in the state? <laughs> well, he needs to win, that's for sure, just like I do. What what what's it like talking to him? Because he he is one of the you know all time great high school coaches. I think he's eight career wins away from three hundred. Uh, what has the advice been from him as you've kind of climbed the ladder in the coaching world? Well, just do a really good job at the job you have, um, and if you do that, opportunities will present themselves. So that's what I've tried to do. I've tried to be the best assistant coach I could possibly be over the years, and. Uh, obviously got an opportunity to be a head coach and uh it's something that i'm excited about and um you know get a chance to to really uh influence you know more than just one side of the ball uh i i love my job i love being around young people i love watching them grow and get a chance to accomplish the things that they want to accomplish so 
uh, I got the best job in the world. I, I talked to Matt Rule about that before last season, the, the both sides of the ball thing, because I, I was asking him about his, his experience working as a coach on both sides. What's it like for you who, who come through the, the defensive side exclusively to have a hand in the offense and to have you know your philosophy on offense be something that the, the team is going to execute? And I'm sure you had, as a defensive coordinator, plenty of ideas about what should be done on offense because some things were easier to stop than others. But what's, what's it like when you become a head coach and you do have influence over that other side of the ball? Well, you know, I started off as a high school coach. And when I worked for my dad, you know, we coached both sides of the ball. And there was a couple of seasons there. I was his defensive coordinator, but uh, he, he wanted me to also call the plays on offense. So wow. uh, I've always had a good feel for that. I played quarterback in high school. So, um, you know, I, I enjoy both sides. Uh, I feel like that I could coach any position on the offensive side. So, But I've got really good men that – coach on our offensive side that I have lots of confidence in. Um, so it's it, – and, and same way on defense. I mean, I've got a great staff, so I've had a chance to bounce back and forth. But, um, you know, when it comes time to practice, I like to get out there with the defensive side and, and, and help on all three levels. So I heard you talking to, uh, to Chris Dory and Peter Burns on SEC Radio on SiriusXM the other day, and you were talking about how – Offensive football in college now looks fairly similar to what you coached against at the high school level 15 years ago. And I'm curious, you're at Hoover High School, which was you know kind of on the cutting edge. And I've talked to some guys who worked with Gus Malzahn back at Springdale in Arkansas at the, the turn of the century. And they've talked about how what was considered crazy then is, is normal in college football now. How, how similar is it and, and how much do you find yourself going back to those days as you deal with the, the offenses of today? Well, you're right. It's, there's a lot of similarities and, um, you know, we do a lot of things, uh, now, um, that we did when I coached at Hoover high school, you know, when I went to Florida state in 2013, uh, against, against certain types of offenses, uh, you know, I, I kind of leaned a little bit back on my Hoover days and some of the things that we did there, and, and they've been good to us over the years. So, um, you know, we, we've I've been very fortunate to, to coach with some really good defensive folks, and um, you know, we'll we'll continue to, to grow our scheme and and uh, try to prepare for for all these guys that's scoring a bunch of points. I, I think the first time I ever saw you on TV was not the, the MTV show that followed your team around. It was actually when, when you all played Nice. Uh, I think it was 2005. It was Tim Tebow's senior year at Nice. And, and it was a tight game. I think you know both teams were scoring all right. And you, you guys suddenly shut them down. And, and then your offense started scoring. Uh, <laughs> did you ever imagine that, that at, at that time that, that you two – you and Tim Tebow would be at, at this kind of level and, and doing these kind of things? Well, I definitely knew that about Tim, <laughs> for sure. Uh, he, was, he was definitely hard to stop. And, uh, you know, fortunately for us, I think we scored 50 points that day. So it's not too hard to hold them under 50. Yeah, it was, it was 29-29, and then you guys just broke it open. Uh, now, I, I'm curious because when you left Hoover – you went to Alabama, and it was a director of, of 
player development role. It was a, an off-field role that not a lot of colleges had at the time. Were you gung-ho, okay, I'm definitely taking this, or were, did you have to give that some thought because it was going off the field? No, absolutely. I was going to take the job. Uh, the opportunity to get into college football and um, a place I was very familiar with uh, and the people that I would have a chance to work with. You think about it on the defensive staff, you know, that that first year, you know, not only you got Coach Saban, but you got Kevin Steele, you got Kirby Smart, Bo Davis, Jeff Collins was an off-the-field guy, um, you know, Lance Thompson. So, there was a lot of really good guys that I had a chance to to work with, and uh, you know, um, and it was and it was work. We really enjoyed it because we started from scratch. You know, when Coach came from the Dolphins, he didn't have any film, so uh, putting the you know the playbooks together and the, and trying to develop film and breaking folks down, it was a whole lot of fun. You've been at basically every level. You've coached in high school. You've been off the field in college. You've been a position coach in college, a coordinator, now a head coach. Where have you learned the most? Which which spot did you learn the most in? Well, I think it would be hard to say any one spot. Uh, I've learned so much over the years, and we continue to learn and grow as coaches. Uh, you know, but when, you, when you're a high school coach uh, – when you have an understanding of what it takes to, to get the entire program going from the standpoint of, uh, you know, from the equipment room to uh, field maintenance to, you know, academics, strength and conditioning, you, you kind of have a hand in everything. And, you know, you, you get in that business because you want to have a positive impact on young people. So I would, I would probably say that the high school ranks are, uh, they prepare you uh, for almost anything that you can encounter in college. That's what I, I've had Gus say that to me, Chad Morris. So all the people who've kind of come from that world say the same thing, that it kind of prepares you to do any job you might have to do in college. So you, you, you feel you could do any job on your staff at this point. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I, I get on to the guys all the time and the, the, that's doing the field, cutting the grass, uh, lining it off. So, uh, how much water they put on the field. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure they probably wish that I hadn't have experienced that. Well, it's not, you got the best groundskeepers in America though. That's a, it's a beautiful field at Neyland. So, but now, now do you cut your own grass? No, I don't. Ah, see, that's what, you, you, that's what it is. You're, you're just missing that. You are missing the cutting your own grass. That's why you're on those guys. Well, I was talking to my brother yesterday, and that's that's what he was doing. He's the head coach at a small school in North Alabama, and I called him. He jumped off the tractor, and and he told me he said, "I'm I'm I'm cutting the, the game field." So, uh, you you know, when you've done some of that over the years, you appreciate it. it does it amaze you sometimes when you look around and, and you see how far you've come? When when you realize that you have this giant organization under you now and now you're responsible for it well absolutely i've been very blessed and fortunate uh you know and and had a chance to to come across a lot of really really good people over the years when you talk about coaches and players and um you know it's it seems like as a football coach you your your calendar is based off seasons and spring ball and summer camps and 
fall camp and recruiting and all this and it's just amazing how how fast time goes by and you know all of a sudden you're you're looking and uh, I was sitting there during this quarantine and you know a couple of former players of mine I noticed they they got cut from NFL teams and I give them a call and I'm talking to them and you know I'm, it's hard to believe that they've been eight years in the NFL you know you're thinking where did the time go so uh but no it's it's uh I'm I'm very thankful for the opportunity that I have. I can assure you that. And, and you're working for a guy who it, this used to be the the common thing is is the former football coach would become the athletic director, and you just don't you don't see that very often anymore. But you're working for Philip Fulmer, who who has sat in your chair, who has done all the things that that you're trying to do now at Tennessee. What's that like having somebody who has been there as a as a boss and as a sounding board? Well, and the other thing that's unique about that is not only was he a coach and a player and assistant coach, but he was actually all that at Tennessee. So the passion that he has for our university uh, and the willingness to, to, to give us everything that we need to have success, uh, you know, uh, when, when, when you come off the field and, and he's waiting in the tunnel, you know, you win or lose, you, you, you can feel it, you know, um, just in his presence, you know, and, uh, I think that's a great thing about college football. It's a great thing about high school football is you get so attached to the places that you work and the people that you work and you represent, uh, you just have a lot of pride in that. As, as we kind of come out of this quarantine and, and things start to go back to normal, how, how excited are you just to get around the players again well i've been calling our guys and facetiming them and and uh you know you can definitely tell that I, i'm sure these guys you know they look on twitter they watch the news they hear what's going on and you know just the excitement for these guys i mean i can't imagine being you know 13 to 25 and being you know kind of stuck in a house for eight weeks or not being able to do the things that we did when we grew up. So I'm excited for these guys. Uh, and I know that they're everybody across the country, these young men and women, are they're just kind of fired up to, to get out and do what they want to do. So I'm excited for them. You'll get a little peace and quiet at the office, won't you, compared to home? No, I'm, I may take them boys with me up there. So I, I grew up going with my dad. So they're getting about that age where they're ready to run around and, and grow up a little bit. I, I, uh, my dad was assistant high school coach. And so I, I spent a lot of time at Pride. That was, that was what I did after school. And I was moving, tackling dummies around, graduated from water boy to ball boy and all that stuff. And uh, it, it is quite an upbringing. I, I, you got to be further in it than I ever did. Uh, with the dad being the head coach, but it, it's it's amazing how much it kind of seeps in your blood, doesn't it? Well, it, some of my best memories uh, were growing up, going with my dad. You know, I can remember on Friday nights, you know, waiting, you know, to one in the morning when the guy that done the film dropped it off so he could watch the tape and I would set up with him, um, you know, on Saturday mornings getting up and going to swap that film. Uh, you know, having a chance to play for him, coach with him. Uh, yeah, so it, it's real, lot, lots of really fond memories. All right. Well, Coach, we probably got to let you go. 
I want you want you to have some time to yourself here here in this uh, this time calm before the storm here. But uh, hit them straight, and thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. That's it for the show. Thank you so much for listening this week. It has been an absolute pleasure. There's a lot to talk about in the next few weeks. This is going to get really interesting. The SEC presidents will vote on when their athletes are allowed to come back. Louisville athletes will be back on campus May 27th, starting workouts June 8th. Ohio State athletes coming back at the beginning of next month. It is going to be a very busy time in college sports as the machine begins to crank to life again. It definitely looks like there's going to be a season and it's going to be on time. Obviously, things can change. There's been a lot of strange things happening the last two months, so you don't want to say anything with absolute certainty. But it certainly seems like I, there, I just said certainly. See, that's the problem. Can't do it. Can't trust any of us now. But it does seem like things are headed in the direction of an on-time start to the college football season. There is going to be a lot to discuss, a lot of mechanics to go through, a lot of protocols to be written. We'll talk about them all going forward on the Andy Staples Show. We'll talk to you on Monday.